Welcome back, Grace 412 Podcast. It is our last installment of the Greater series. We have already talked so far this month about greater grace, about greater things. We've talked about uh, our greater God when we looked at greater is he that is in you. And tonight we are actually going to be talking about the thing that is at the center of it all. We're going to be looking at John chapter 15 and looking at greater love. In John chapter 15 and verse 13, Jesus says to his disciples, greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And we've heard this verse before. A lot of us have probably even studied this verse before and this chunk of verses where Jesus is talking to his disciples. Um, But a lot of us maybe haven't recently taken the time to actually look at the reality of what greater love looks like. You know, like it's, yeah, it's great. You know, greater love is no man than this, that he would lay down his life for his friends. Like, of course, no greater love can be shown than somebody willing to die for someone else like Jesus was for us. But we want to look even in more depth at, at this idea of what greater love looks like, what loving like Jesus looks like. And so before we get to that point in John chapter 15, we want to kind of remember where we are in context. So you go all the way back to John chapter 13. Jesus kind of, uh, from John 13 to John 17, is really giving this this sort of final challenge, final charge to his disciples. John chapter 13, the Passover is taking place. Jesus knows he's about to die. He knows his time on earth is limited. And in John chapter 13, you look at what he does. In verse 3, it says, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he was come from God and he went to God, he rises up from supper, he lays aside his garments, he took a towel, he girded himself, and then it says, after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. So Jesus is about to go to the cross. He's about to be uh, betrayed by Judas. His disciples were just arguing about who the greatest in the kingdom of heaven is. And now it says in John 13, verse 3, knowing that he owned everything, knowing that he was from God, that he was about to go back to God, Jesus gets up and he washes the feet of his disciples. He teaches them a lesson. See, Jesus understood something that the disciples did not yet understand. When it comes to loving others, selfishness will live and die with me. Jesus understood that love, the opposite of selfishness, right? Love, it goes beyond me. These 12 disciples, they're thinking, oh, I hope I'm going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Like, I, I, I wonder who's going to serve me. I wonder who's going to love me. I wonder who's going to give me attention. But a life of selfishness, it lives and dies with me. Like, you get what you want, right? And, but then that's it. But Jesus, he shows them, no, no, no. Like, there's, there's a greater way to live. He, he, he stands up, he, he girds himself, he washes the disciples' feet, and then you get all the way down to verse 12 and he explains himself. John 13, verse 12, it says, So after he had washed their feet, he had taken his garments, he, he was set down again, and he said unto them, Hey, do you know what I've done to you? He says, You can call me Master and Lord, and you say well, for I, I am. He says, I am your Master and Lord. And then he says, verse 14, And if I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. 
Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither is he that sent greater than he that sent him. He says, if you know these things, happy are you that do them. Jesus says, hey, I am your master. I am your Lord. But I'm showing you this example. The servant isn't any greater than the master or vice versa. He says, God is greater. And even though I am him, I'm still serving you. He says, if you follow my example, he says, happy are you when you do this. See, greater love asks, who can I help rather than what can I get? There's joy in this way of thinking. There, there's joy in this way of thinking that says, who can I help rather than what can I get? It reminds me that I'm not alone. It reminds me that I'm not on an island. It reminds me that I have purpose, that I have community. This is what we were built for. Greater love asks, who can I help instead of what can I get? And so we're going to come back to this idea in just a minute. But as we make our way through John uh, 13, we get to John 14. As we're heading to John 15, we find another spot where that word greater is used. In John chapter 14, Jesus is talking to them still about this idea of greater love. And he gets to verse 12 and he says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believes on me, the works that I do shall he do also. And then greater works than these shall he do because I'm going to my father. So John chapter 14, Jesus says, Hey, remember, I'm going to go my spirit's going to come. He's going to indwell you. You're going to become the body of Christ. You're going to do greater things even than what you've seen me do. Jesus is explaining all of this to them. And then we skip all the way to John 15 now where Jesus is still charging them. He's still encouraging them. And he says, I am the true vine, John chapter 15, verse 1, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that bears fruit, bears not fruit, he taketh away. Every branch that bears fruit, he purges it, that it might bring forth more fruit. He says, now you're clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can you, except you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Verse 6, he says, If a man abides not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and he's withered. Men gather them, cast them into the fire, and they're burned. If you abide in me and my words in you, you shall ask what you will, and it will be done unto you. So Jesus goes back to earlier when, when they were saying, hey, I want to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And then he goes back to chapter 14 when he says, you're going to do great things on earth and in the kingdom of heaven. And then in verse uh, four, five, and six of, of chapter 15, he, he gives them this reminder, hey, you can't do anything without me. He, he points out to them, hey, you can do greater things. Um, you're going to do greater things, but those greater things are uh, in my power and for my glory. See, a love for others that is not centered around Jesus is not forever. Not only not centered around Jesus, but a love for others that's not centered around a love for Jesus is not forever. That's why chapter 13, he says, follow my example. Chapter 14, he says, you're going to do it in my spirit. And chapter 15, he says, always being attached to me. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Because the reality is, look, even my love sometimes is selfish. Even my good deeds sometimes come with the wrong motives. But when instead I say, I have been eternally loved by God, and because of that, I'm following his example, I'm, I'm loving in his uh, 
his picture of love. I'm, I'm going to, by his power and in his spirit, through his example, for his glory, love selfishly, it changes the way that we do things. It changes the way we live and it changes the way that we love. And Jesus goes on to explain this in verse uh, 8 of chapter 15. He says, "This Herein is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Continue you in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you. And then he says it again, that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. This is where we find the context of greater love. He says, I want you to bear much much fruit. This is about disciples making disciples, about leaving a legacy, about having an impact. Selflessness and servanthood live beyond me. Look, selfishness will live and die with you, but selflessness and servanthood, they live beyond you and I. See, see we, we have to remember, as we, we talked about this in 1 John as well, like Jesus says, hey, I want you to keep my commandments. And then he, he says, I, I'm going to change the world, he tells the disciples, through you. He tells them even, you're going to do greater things than I have done. And we, we even looked at Ephesians chapter 3, where he gives kind of the same commission to us, where it's like, hey, I'm going to do exceeding abundantly above all that you ask or think. And we're like, man, this is awesome. Like, okay, what do you got for us? And Jesus says, I want you to love one another. I want you to follow my example in how you love one another. And then he gives the example. He, he bends down and he washes their feet. Their dirt-filled, disgusting feet. And then he goes on in, in chapter 14 and he says, you're going to do greater things than me. I'm going to put my spirit inside of you. And then chapter 15, he says, but you have to remember to stay connected to me. You have to love me and love others. See, greater love asks, will this impact future generations instead of will this bring me further comfort? We, we want people to remember us. We want people to recognize us. We want people to even glorify or praise us. But Jesus says, I want you to follow my example of love. This is the kind of love that lives beyond you and I. This love that impacts future generations. It, it's not focused on further comfort. It's not focused on, will I be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? It's instead saying, I'm going to be selfless. I'm going to serve. And I love that he uses the illustration of fruit here. Just like he he says later on that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace. It's what the Spirit produces in us. Jesus actually tells them here, hey, it's not just that the the Spirit's going to produce love in you, but you're actually going to bear fruit. Like you're going to produce something. You're going to be disciples making other disciples. See, Jesus wasn't just focused on the apple. Jesus was focused on the seeds. And, and what's meant by that is, is Jesus wasn't just focused on these, these 11 guys, right? He was focused on what they would produce and what they produce after that and what they produce after that. Because the average apple contains about five to eight seeds. 
And so when we think about this in the context of people, we think of these mega church pastors or these coaches that have huge influence or these musicians that have huge influence and, and the, these famous people and these people with, with huge scope of influence. And we think, man, they have made such an impact. But, but, but think about this. What if we allowed God to use us to have spiritual impact on five, six, seven, eight people? The average apple has what? Five to eight seeds. Imagine if, if we allowed God to give us uh, disciple-making friendships and we had spiritual impact on five, six, seven, eight people. Think about the, the, the illustration of the apple tree. The average apple tree in a lifetime can produce seven to 800 apples. So think about this. If, if, if those eight seeds produced eight trees and, and those trees produced 800 apples, that's 6,400 trees. And then imagine if those trees produced apples that produced eight seeds, each of them, that's, that's one apple alone from one tree alone that would, would produce 51,200 trees. And that's just after one apple, after one of those 6,400 trees times that times 6,400 times eight, right? The math is like, is like uncalculable. So in, in the illustration of people in two generations, your indirect impact could literally be enough people to fill a stadium. Eight times eight times eight. Think about that. That's what God does with people committed to his mission. Greater love says, will this impact future generations instead of, will this bring me further comfort? How did 12 people change the world? They didn't underestimate the power of a loving, Jesus-centered, disciple-making relationship. And so there's one last thing that we have to cover, one last greater that we should still look at in this series and as you talk about love and especially greater love, there's no greater chapter than 1 Corinthians 13, like the, the love chapter itself that talks about what love is and what love does. But you go back to 1 Corinthians 12, right before that in the foundation is Paul is talking about spiritual gifts. And in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul's like, hey, you have all these gifts. That's great. You've got all these ways that God has blessed you. That's awesome. But then he gets to the end of chapter 12, going into the love chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And look what he says, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 31, he says, covet earnestly the best gifts. He says, you all want the best gifts, but I show you a more excellent way. He says, covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. He says, I'm showing you a better way, a greater way. First Corinthians 12, you have all these gifts, and that's great. You can desire those gifts. You can desire those ways to serve. But then First Corinthians 13, he goes on to, to basically say, hey, if I, if I speak with tongues of men and angels, but I don't have love, I'm like a banging symbol, like I'm, I'm noisy brass. He says, if I even can have prophecy and reveal all these mysteries, but I don't have love, I've done nothing. He says, if I have enough faith to move mountains, but I don't have love. I've wasted my time. And then he goes on to say how love is patient, love is kind, it doesn't envy or boast, it's it's selfless, it believes all things, it bears all things, it hopes all things, it endures all things. Like he says, this is the greatest way to live. He says, he says, if I have all these other gifts, but I don't have love, then I've wasted my time. Verse 31 of 1 Corinthians 12, I'm showing you a greater way, a more excellent way. Jesus says, your joy can be full. 1 John, your joy can be full. He says, if you, Jesus says, if you follow my example, happy are you that do them. 
one of my most favorite quotes ever is love is the best thing that we do. We were created for greater love, for a Jesus-like love. How did 12 people change the world? They were fully committed, completely and genuinely connected to Jesus. They had a love for him that fueled everything else that they did. They asked, who can I help rather than what can I get? They asked, will this impact future generations rather than will this bring me future comfort? Jesus proved it on the cross. Greater love changes the world. And he's still proving that to this day through the people that choose to follow him and love others selflessly. So that's the kind of people that we're going to be. We have a greater call, a greater mission, a greater commission that we're going to love God and love others until our very last day. And we won't see this side of eternity, the impact that God allows us to have because of the work that we have allowed him to do through us. That's the kind of people we're going to be for God's glory. We'll talk to you guys next week.